0: Good morning. I, I want to say that I, am, I refuse to conform. Um, I'm using notes. Got them here. I'm not wearing a black shirt. I don't care how high the bar is that Mike is raising or how low it might be as well, but I'm not going there. So, listen, uh, last week, uh, those of you who are here remember that Mike uh, talked us through uh, where we have been, where we are, where we're going as a, as a, as a community of God's people gathered together Here at E.V. Free Fullerton. And uh, the purpose statement in part reads this. E.V. Free Fullerton exists to join God in his redemptive work in the world. Which is the mission of God and that is us. We are the church. The church is in the building. The church is in the staff. Remember he talked about this is the staff meeting that we have here. And since we are the church, we are to join God in his redemptive work in the world. This is all of our missional calling but some of you might say, you know, well, like, not me. I'm not really geared towards that. I'm not good enough. I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm too whatever. So this morning, we're going to go to Exodus chapter 3 to debunk that myth that some of us are excluded from that great missional calling. So, before we get to Exodus 3... I want to take you to Exodus chapter 2 because actually the, the whole context of this burning bush, this inferno of the plant in Exodus chapter 3 that Moses stands before begins in Exodus chapter 2. So let's read chapter 2 verses 23 through 25. During that long period, and that, that long period is when things were like not going that great for the Egyptians. Remember, there was a day of more benevolent pharaohs uh, back in Joseph's time. And the people of God, the Israelites, the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they were, things weren't so bad for them, but it got worse and worse. The culture was kind of caving in upon them, and it was becoming very oppressive. And so during that long period, of, um, the king of Egypt died, the pharaoh, and the Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out for help because of their slavery. It went up to God, and God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant, his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. I want to stop there just for a minute and just unpack what's happening here, because this is important for us to understand the story of Moses before the burning bush. So God hears the groaning of his people, and he remembers something. He doesn't remember, oh, there are some really great times they used to have. I'm going to remember that and bring them back to those good times again. He didn't remember the oppressors that were oppressing them. He didn't remember kind of the bondage and the suffering that they were going under, but he remembered his covenant. And it wasn't like he had forgotten. It wasn't like God goes, oh, I forgot the covenant. You know, I made it to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob a long time ago, but I've been so busy doing all the things that God does. I forgot all about that covenant. So it wasn't that when he says he remembered his covenant that he had forgotten, But by saying he remembered, he said God was calling for another moment in his economy of time to remind his people that they are his covenant people. Well, what's the covenant? Well, the covenant goes back to Genesis chapter 12. When God comes before Abram and says, go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I will show you. This is the beginning of chapter 1 of Genesis. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. And I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Abraham, I am going to bless you and I'm going to bless your offspring. And not only that, I'm going to bless all people through you. And that is the the breadth of God's people from every nation and the depth of God's people through every generation. Now there's an element, a component to this covenant that has a land dimension to it where Abraham inherited the land and, and, and Abraham's direct descendants have an element and component in this covenant as well but we do as the people of God because there is a messianic dimension of this covenant that points towards Christ and if we understand that we know why Jesus said what he did at the last supper he said this cup is my new covenant for you so the people of God are a covenantal people and what does that mean to be a covenantal people? It means that we are to glorify God by blessing the nations and blessing the generations, what God has called us to do. Okay, so we're about to get to that dramatic moment of the, of the burning bush. But I want to make sure that you understand that there is a chapter 2 backdrop to this burning bush story that deals with the covenant. And to understand Exodus 3, the context is you've got to understand Exodus Chapter two. This was a difficult time, as I said. This was an impressive culture. Many were crying out. Nobody was speaking out. But God remembered his covenant that through his people all nations, all generations will be blessed. And this sets the stage for the Burning Bush story, a story about God's mission through his people to bless the world. So let's go there to Genesis excuse me, to Exodus chapter three. Enter Moses. Here we go, beginning with verse one. Now Moses was tending his father-in-law's sheep, and one day he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God, and there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush, and Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it didn't burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go see this strange sight, why that bush doesn't burn up. And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses called him twice to get his attention. That happened to me a lot in school, so I know what that means. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer. God said, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. In other words, I am the God of the covenant. I want to remind you of that again. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. I want you to stop there for a minute and realize that Moses didn't hide his face when this wonderful pyrotechnic display was going on, this bush that was burning that wasn't being consumed. He didn't hide his face when he heard this voice come out from within this bush and call him by name. But it said he hid his voice when he realized that this was the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of their families, the God of the covenant. And as at this that Moses hid his face when he realized that he was standing before the one, the only, the all-holy, infinite One true God. And God said to Moses, you take off your sandals. Because the place where you're standing is holy ground. And it's holy not because you're here, Moses. It's holy because I'm here. The story continues in verse 7. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them cry out because of their slave drivers. And I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them. From the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of. Then he mentions all these ites, and now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way of the the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, Moses. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, "Who am I?" I want you to remember that question. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And Moses said to God, yeah, but suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what's his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of the covenant, comes back once more to that, has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name shall you, call, you shall call me from generation to generation. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a missionary story. It's about God setting his people free so that they can go out in his name, to bless the nations and bless the generations. And God is calling Moses to be part of his epic missionary story. And he calls him. Where? In the backside of the desert, in this lonely place. And sometimes that's where God works. And maybe if you're in that desert, lonely place now, you should pay attention. For 40 years, Moses had been this fugitive on the lamb running away from those who had sought to take him in and he had been a, a noble in the courts of Pharaoh but now he was a nobody he was this fugitive and this is, and he's standing there and herding his father-in-law's sheep and then there this bush catches on fire on this ordinary day Moses has an extraordinary moment because God called him by name and what's Moses' first response? In verse 11, he says, well, who am I that you would call me to go and set your people free? Who am I? He asked, who am I, because he, he hustled sheep for a living. He asked, who am I, because he had this stammering tongue. He asked, who am I, because he knew nobody was going to believe that fiery bush tale that he had. he had. He asked, who am I, because he wanted God to send somebody else. He wanted to send Aaron. He asked, who am I, because he was, he was 80 years old, and he thought, like, I'm too old for this. Speaking of old, I was uh, taking our... Son Sam, a few years ago, to school, Beachwood School, right over here, in elementary school, hauled in his big backpack. If I told you the story before, indulge me. And um, so he's hauling in his backpack in the car. I'm driving him over, and I say, Hey, you know, Sam, when I was your age, I didn't like I didn't have that much stuff to carry to school. He said, Dad, there's there's a lot more history now. So, <laughs> so um, Sam, dude, I owe you five bucks because I, anytime I use you or the kids, that's a deal. They get $5, I get an illustration, everybody wins. So, all right. So here you have Moses, lots, lots of excuses. But God's calling him. And actually, if you go to the next chapter, chapter 4, it's, it's kind of like the but Lord chapter. Verse 1, it says, but Lord, you can't use me for this reason. And in, t- in verse 10, it says, but Lord, you can't use me for that reason. But the God who called Moses in, in verse 10 of chapter 3 He assures him in verse 12. He says, Moses, don't worry. I'm going to be with you. But Moses said, you know, God, that's not good enough. If I go in your name, who do I say that you are? What do I say when the people ask me, who who sent you? I mean, I know who you are. I know you're the God of the covenant, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. but, But who do I say that you are? And I want you to hold on this morning because... God's about to say to Moses words that are at the, at, the, at the bedrock of our creation and at the heart of our faith. And he says to Moses in the virtually unexplainable, untranslatable, he says these words to him. He said, Moses, I am who I am. Moses, say this to the children of Israel, that I am who I am has sent you to them. You see, ricocheting off his verse 11 question, who am I? God responds in verse 14, I am who I am. In other words, Moses, if you go back to Egypt on your own credentials as an educated Hebrew, you are going to fail. Your authority is only as strong as my authority, the authority of the one who is sending you. And all of Moses' but lords fell into submission from God's I am who I am. But Lord, you know, I've got a stammering tongue. I'm not the eloquent. God says, Moses, I am who I am. But Lord, maybe Aaron can go because I'm really not the right one. Moses, I am who I am. But Lord, I'm only a shepherd. I'm, you know, it's been a long time. I'm, I'm in trouble back there. Moses, I am who I am. God was getting across to Moses then. And he's getting across to us today. That being part of his great epic global mission is not about our ability. It is about His authority. So if you fast forward to Matthew chapter 28 and you have the Great Commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel, making disciples of all nations, sometimes we start that verse too late because that verse actually begins that Great Commission when Jesus says, All authority has been given to me on heaven and earth, so therefore you go and you make disciples of all nations. Well, what was that authority? that was calling Moses in that desert place, well, the authority was nothing less than the all-powerful, sovereign, eternal God, the I am who I am, the one who is, the one who was, the one who forever will be, who gave courage to this Hebrew shepherd. The 120-year lifespan of that guy Moses who floated in the bulrushes as an infant was laid to rest on the plains of Mount Moab. God said, you who are the who am I um, are empowered by my authority. The I am who I am. There is truth in the words of Christ and that truth leads us to conviction and there's power in the words of Christ and the power leads us to courage. And I want to just say it again that the Holy Spirit is at work in this place and in your life in the authority of Jesus' name. You don't have to worry about that question that you might be asking, who am I? Because you can stand and kneel in front of the I am Who I am. And there with the bush of fire, by the mountain of God, the who am I encounters the I am who I am. And God says, This is my name forever, verse 15. The name that I shall be remembered by from generation to generation to this generation in 2014. I am who I am. That name that proclaims Yahweh's eternal self-sustaining, self-determining, sovereign, transcending reality, the living, reigning, powerful, and inexhaustible king that the burning bush showed him to be. God saying, Moses, you don't have to worry about who you are. You just have to remember who I am. So here's your thought to ponder this morning. What does it mean for you in your life to say, who am I? And God responds by saying, I am who I am. And I know I'm serious, I can't do these words justice, but I pray that the Holy Spirit impresses upon your heart the power of the I am. Because when God says, I am who I am, he is saying, I had no beginning. No one put me here. I have no end. No one gave me any kind of genetic code. What I was, I am. What I am, I will be. God proclaimed in these words that he is the unshakable. He is the unchangeable. He is the unalterable, all-powerful, God of the universe, the infinite one, the one who created from nothing and ordered the universe, the absolute God, the first and the last. So think about it. You know, God could have implied other things out of that burning bush. He could have implied in some of our minds, in minds of our culture, that he is just one of many gods. He could have said, like, hey, Moses, we are who we are, right? He could have said that. But he's not like one of many gods. He could have, he could have spoken like, like some kind of relativistic God. You know, Moses, I can be who I can be. He could have come across as some kind of self-help therapeutic God saying to Moses, you know, you are who you are. Feel good about it. He could have, you know, he could have said that he's a changing God. He could have said, I am. I know I'm not. It's I am. No, I'm not. Right? But, but God didn't declare that. He had declared at that moment, I am who I am. The authority behind every time God says that is his declared, holy, objective reality, the I am who I am. And that authority empowers us when he calls us to go because we go in that authority. That's what happened in Exodus chapter 3. That's what happened in Genesis. Excuse me, in, in Matthew chapter 28. All authority has been given me in heaven and earth, so go and make disciples. I am who I am, so Moses, go and set my people free. God is calling us to be his missionary people wherever he has placed us. But we don't go in our own ability. We don't go, we don't not go because of our own inabilities or abilities. We go because of the I am who I am. You see, it is his verse 14, I am who I am, that empowers my verse 11, who am I. And the same I am who I am found his fulfillment once and for all through Christ. You see, the I am of Exodus chapter 3 is fulfilled in the I am's of the gospel of John. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me is never going to go hungry. I am the light of the world. You know, walk with me. You're never going to walk in darkness. I am the vine, and apart from me, you can do nothing. I am the resurrection and the life Though you think you're dead, through me you will live. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And when Jesus said in John chapter 8, before Abraham was, I am, when he said that, he embraced the glorious truth of God's name and he draped it in the humility of a servant. And he offered himself to atone for our rebellion. And he made a way through the cross for us to see the glory of God. Who am I? Moses asked in verse 11. Who am I that you should ask me to go? I'm a convict. I'm a fugitive. I'm a shepherd. I'm a stutterer. I'm a member of the AARP. <laughs> that was actually a lot funnier at 8 o'clock this morning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, I've been out of the limelight for 40 years. But, my friends, when the who am I of verse 11 meets the I am who I am of verse 14, everything changes. And I think Moses asking that question was the right question to ask. He said, God, who am I that I can do this? Because when he asked that question, God was saying, You know, there is only one I am who I am. And Moses, you're not that one. It is me. You see, my friends, there is a world that is desperate for the hope and the truth and the grace of Christ that needs willing people to be moved by the Holy Spirit to rise up and take their place, not to become the next big thing, but to go in the power of the I am who I am. And there is nothing in your own question as you ask that about yourself that stands a chance against the I am who the I am. You might say, I'm too old, I'm too young, I'm too rich, I'm too poor, I'm too uneducated, I'm too ordinary, I'm too scarred, I'm too broken, I'm too sick, I'm too lonely, I'm too busy, I'm too single, I'm too simple to be used by God, but that's wrong, because in your weakness, his strength emerges, the strength of the I am who I am, and this is what we are called to be as a church. You can go read it on Evie Free's website, the purpose of Evie Free Fullerton, we are a Christ-centered community community. That is defined by our common humanity, our brokenness, our need for rescue. In other words, we are a bunch of who am I's filling these seats. And we are defined by our passionate commitment to join God, the I am who I am, in his redemptive work in the world. That means we submit ourselves to him. That means we join him in his redemptive work. He does not join us. Go back to Exodus chapter 2, verse 24. When God heard their groanings, he remembered his covenant. That we, the who am I's, are to be a blessing to the nations and the generations in the name of and in the power of the I am who I am. And God's word is filled with examples of those who asked that question, the outback shepherd, the prostitute, the unlearned fisherman, the Christian hater, the tax collector. But these who am eyes were empowered by the I am who I am, and through that power of his authority, they were able to stand up and stand out for Jesus' name, and they made a difference. Young Jew is the first North Korean student we've ever had at Bio University. Today, she's halfway through her first year. And uh, if anyone could ask the question, who am I, it would be Gyeongju. I'm going to let her tell you her story. Come on up here and...
1: Hello, my name is Gyeongju Son. I was born in Pyongyang, the capital of North Korea. My father was an assistant to Kim Jong-il, who is the leader of North Korea. When I was only six years old, my family was politically persecuted, and we escaped to China. That was in 1998. After we settled in China, one of our relatives led my family to church. There, my parents came to know the amazing grace and love of God. A few months later, my mother died of leukemia while pregnant with her second child. Meanwhile, my father's face grew, and he prepared to be a missionary in North Korea. But in 2001, he was arrested by Chinese police and sent back to North Korea, where he was imprisoned for three years. The time he spent in prison only made my father's face stronger. We were then briefly reunited in China, but he returned to North Korea to share the hope of the gospel with the hopeless people there. It breaks my heart to tell you that in 2006, his Christian work in North Korea was discovered and he was imprisoned again. I have heard no word from my father since then. In all probability, he has been shot to death in public of charges of treason and espionage as is so often the case for Christians in North Korea. By God's grace, my life changed when I was adopted by Chinese pastor's family at the age of 11 and then moved to South Korea. Late one night at the Korean consulate in Beijing, God appeared to me in a dream. Jesus said to me, "Kyungju, how much longer are you going to keep me waiting? Walk with me. Yes, you lost your earthly father, but I am your heavenly father, and whatever has happened to you is because I love you. I know that he has called me to dedicate my life to bring religious and economic freedom to the oppressed people of North Korea. And that is why I am so excited to be here in America at Biola University studying intercultural studies. I believe God's heart cries out for the people of North Korea. And I want to bring the love of God to the people of my country who have had their rights taken away. I hope to honor my father and to bring glory to my heavenly father by serving God with my whole heart. Thank you.
0: Yeah, who am I? Young Jew asked that question. Born and raised in the darkness of South Korea. Her mother dying of leukemia. Pregnant with her little brother. Who am I? Father sent to prison and then gave up his life because he couldn't stop talking about Jesus. If anybody could ask who am I, she can. And then one night as you heard... The who am I of this young North Korean girl encountered the I am who I am. The I am who I am, who said to this North Korean girl, Guanggo, you you go in my power. And my my strength will be made perfect in your weakness. Go and be a blessing to the nations, to the generations. Go being a blessing. To your own nation. And God said, maybe one day you're going to pick up where your father left off. Young thank you. Brad, get up here, start playing something spiritual. Let's go. Come on. <laughs> How many of you have asked that question, Who am I? I believe our world needs to be saturated with a bunch of, of, of Who am I's, full of grace and truth and joy and peace, and we don't need another hero. We have a hero, right? The resurrected and the exalted Christ. We need a generation of who am I's to rise up in the power of Jesus' name. We need a generation who stand before the I am who I am and say, Lord, I may not be extraordinary, but I am willing. We need a generation like Moses who will take off their shoes and not put on steel-toed boots to kick Jesus into their culture or the heresy out of their brother. We need to have people take off their shoes and go barefoot, the very position that Jesus' disciples took when he said, you take off your shoes, I'm going to wash your feet you go and do likewise, to be a blessing to the nations, a blessing to the generations. The nations and the generations are waiting for you when you exit this parking lot today, when you show up to work for tomorrow, when you go to your next class. So go in the power of the I am who I am, old and young, men and women from every tongue and tribe and nation where the image of the I am who I am is so forged in your life that you look and you sound and you smell like Jesus, that aroma of Christ that Paul talked about. Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. And I believe that the Lord appeared to Moses in a fire and not in like a bowl of soup for a reason. Because he wanted... Moses to experience the fire of God, the fire that melts and the fire that purifies and the fire that refines you. Remember, God is about unveiling his story of salvation one generation at a time. He is the I am who I am. He is the truth to which all of creation bends. And you are the who am I that goes out in obedience and in the authority of the I am who I am. This is my name. God said, Exodus 3, verse 15, to be remembered from generation to generation. And in his story of salvation, God writes each chapter one generation at a time. And this generation, he'll write that chapter through us. Sinners who have fallen short of his glory, but have been resurrected by his grace. So as we... Come to the table today. Maybe it's time to to nail the who am I's to the foot of the cross and remember the body and the blood of the I am who I am who sacrifices life for you. So to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, authority and dominion and power now and forevermore.